Sections 1 through 13 of Letter 22 to Eustochium. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letter 22 to Eustochium by St. Jerome, translated by William Henry Fremantle. Sections 1 through 13. Perhaps the most famous of all the letters. In it, Jerome lays down at great length, one, the motives which ought to actuate those who devote themselves to a life of virginity, and two, the rules by which they ought to regulate their daily conduct. The letter contains a vivid picture of Roman society as it was, the luxury, profligacy, and hypocrisy prevalent among both men and women, besides some graphic autobiographical details, sections 7 and 30 and concludes with a full account of the three kinds of monasticism then practiced in Egypt, sections 34 through 36. Thirty years later, Jerome wrote a similar letter to Demetrius, letter 130, with which this ought to be compared. Written at Rome, 384 A.D. Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear, Forget also thine own people and thy father's house, and the king shall desire thy beauty. Psalm 45:10 and 11. In this 44th, according to the Vulgate, Psalm, God speaks to the human soul that, following the example of Abraham, Genesis 11:31-12:1, it should go out from its own land and from its kindred, and should leave the Chaldeans, that is, the demons, and should dwell in the country of the living for which elsewhere the prophet sighs, I think to see the good things of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 27.13 But it is not enough for your people in your father's house, unless you scorn the flesh and cling to the bridegroom in a close embrace. Look not behind thee, he says, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Genesis 19.17 he who has grasped the plough must not look behind him. Luke 9.62 Or, having Christ's garment, descend from the roof to fetch another raiment. Matthew 24.17 and 18 Truly a marvelous thing, a father charges his daughter not to remember her father. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father it is your will to do. John 8.44 so it was said to the Jews, and in another place, He that committeth sin is of the devil. 1 John 3.8 Born in the first instance of such patronage, we are naturally black, and even when we have repented, so long as we have not scaled the heights of virtue, we may still say, I am black but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem. Canticle one five. But you will say to me, I have left my home of my childhood, I have forgotten my father, I am born anew in Christ. What reward do I receive for this? The context shows, the king shall desire thy beauty. This, then, is the great mystery. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be, not as is there said, of one flesh, Ephesians 5, 31, 32, but of one spirit. Your bridegroom is not haughty or disdainful. He has married an Ethiopian woman. Numbers 12, 1. When once you desire the wisdom of the true Solomon and come to him, he will avow all his knowledge to you. 
He will lead you into his chamber with his royal hand. Canticles 1.4 He will miraculously change your complexion, so that it shall be said of you, Who is this that goeth up, and hath been made white? Canticles 8.5 I write to you thus, Lady Eustochium, I am bound to call my lord's bride Lady, to show you, by my opening words, that my object is not to praise the virginity which you follow, and of which you have proved the value, or yet to recount the drawbacks of marriage, such as pregnancy, the crying infants, the torture caused by arrival, the cares of household management, and all those fancied blessings which death at last cuts short. Not that married women are as such outside the pale. They have their own place the marriage that is honorable, and the bed undefiled. Hebrews 13.4 My purpose is to show you that you are fleeing from Sodom and should take warning by Lot's wife. Genesis 19.26 There is no flattery, I can tell you, in these pages. A flatterer's words are fair, but for all that he is an enemy. You need expect no rhetorical flourishes, setting you among the angels, and, while they extol virginity as blessed, putting the world at your feet. I would have you draw from your monastic vow not pride, but fear. Romans 11.20 You walk laden with gold. You must keep out of the robber's way. To us men this life is a race course. We contend here, we are crowned elsewhere. No man can lay aside fear, while serpents and scorpions beset his path. The Lord says, My sword hath drunk its fill in heaven. Isaiah 34.5 And do you expect to find peace on the earth? No, the earth yields only thorns and thistles, and its dust is food for the serpent. Genesis 3.14 and 18 for our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12 We are hemmed in by hosts of foes. Our enemies are upon every side. The weak flesh will soon be ashes. One against many, it fights against tremendous odds. Not till it has been dissolved, not till the prince of this world has come and found no sin therein. John 14.30 The variant is difficult to explain and may be only a slip. And till then, may you safely listen to the prophet's words, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the trouble which haunteth thee in darkness, nor for the demon and his attacks at noonday, a thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh to thee. Psalm 91, 5-7, in Vulgate. When the host of the enemy distress you, when your frame is fevered and your passions roused, when you say in your heart, What shall I do? Elisha's words shall give you your answer. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. 2 Kings 6.16 He shall pray, Lord, open the eyes of thine handmaid, that she may see. And then, when your eyes have been opened, you shall see a fiery chariot like Elijah's waiting to carry you to heaven. 2 Kings 2.11 and 6.17 And shall joyfully sing, Our soul is escaped as a bird out of a snare of the fowlers. 
The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Psalm 124.7 So long as we are held down by this frail body, so long as we have our treasure in earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians 4.7 So long as the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, Galatians 5.17 There can be no sure victory. Our adversary, the devil, goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 Thou makest darkness, David says, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after the prey and seek their meat from God. Psalm 104.20-21 and 21. The devil looks not for unbelievers, for those who are without, whose flesh the Assyrian king roasted in the furnace. Jeremiah 29.22 It is the church of Christ that he makes haste to spoil. An allusion to Maha Sahala Hashbaz, Isaiah 8.1 According to Habakkuk, his food is of the choicest. Habakkuk 1.16 in the Septuagint a Job is the victim of his machinations, and after devouring Judas, he seeks power to sift the other apostles. Luke twenty two thirty one, The Savior came not to send peace upon the earth, but a sword. Matthew ten thirty four, Lucifer fell. Lucifer who used to rise at dawn. Isaiah fourteen twelve. And he who was bred up in a paradise of delight had the well-earned sentence passed upon him. Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest upon the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. Obadiah 4. For he had said in his heart, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will be like the Most High. Isaiah fourteen thirteen and 14. Wherefore God says every day to the angels, as they descend the ladder that Jacob saw in his dream. Genesis 28.12 I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But he shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Psalm 82.6-7 and 7. The devil fell first, and since God standeth in the congregation of the gods, and judgeth among the gods... Psalm 82.1 The Apostle writes to those who are ceasing to be gods, Whereas there is among you envy and strife, are ye not carnal, and walk as men? 1 Corinthians 3.3 3. If then the Apostle, who was a chosen vessel, Acts 9.15, separated unto the gospel of Christ, Galatians 1.15, by reason of the pricks of the flesh and the allurements of vice, keeps under his body and brings it into subjection, lest when he has preached to others, he may himself be a castaway. 1 Corinthians 9.27. And yet, for all that, sees another law in his members, warring against the law of his mind, and bringing him into captivity to the law of sin. Romans 7.23 If after nakedness, fasting, hunger, imprisonments, scourging, and other torments, he turns back to himself and cries, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans 7.24 Do you fancy that you ought to lay aside apprehension? 
See to it that God say not some day of you, The Virgin of Israel is fallen, and there is none to raise her up. Amos 5.2 I will say it boldly. Though God can do all things, he cannot raise up a virgin when once she has fallen. He may indeed relieve one who is defiled from the penalty of her sin, but he will not give her a crown. Let us fear, lest in us also the prophecy be fulfilled, Good virgins shall faint. Amos 8.13 Notice that it is good virgins who are spoken of, for there are bad ones as well. Whosoever looketh on a woman, the Lord says to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Matthew 5.28 So that virginity may be lost even by a thought, such are evil virgins, virgins in the flesh, not in the spirit. Foolish virgins, who, having no oil, are shut out by the bridegroom. Matthew 25, 3 and 10. But if even real virgins, when they have other failings, are not saved by their physical virginity, what shall become of those who have prostituted the members of Christ and have changed the temple of the Holy Ghost into a brothel? Straightway shall they hear the words, Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstone and grind meal. Uncover thy locks. Make bare the legs. Pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Yea, thy shame shall be seen. Isaiah 47, 1-3 and shall she come to this after the bridal chamber of God, the Son, after the kisses of him who is to her both kinsman and spouse? Canticle 5.2 in the Septuagint. Yes, she of whom the prophetic utterance once sang, Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in a vesture of gold wrought about with diverse colors. Psalm 45.10 Shall be made naked, and her skirts shall be discovered upon her face. Jeremiah 13.26 She shall sit by the waters of loneliness, her pitcher laid aside, and shall open her feet to everyone that passeth by, and shall be polluted to the crown of her head. Ezekiel 16.25 Better had it been for her to have submitted to the yoke of marriage, to have walked in level places, than thus aspiring to loftier heights, to fall into the deep of hell. I pray you, let not Zion, the faithful city, become a harlot. Isaiah 121 Let it not be that where the Trinity has been entertained. There demons shall dance, and owls make their nests, and jackals build. Isaiah 34.15 and 13.22 Let us not loose the belt that binds the breast. When lust tickles the sense, and the soft fire of sensual pleasure sheds over us its pleasing glow. Let us immediately break forth and cry, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what the flesh can do unto me. Psalm 118.6 and 56.4 When the inner man shows signs for a time of wavering between vice and virtue, say, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, 
for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Psalm 42.11 You must never let suggestions of evil grow on you, or a babble of disorder win strength in your breast. Slay the enemy while he is small, and that you may not have a crop of tares, nip the evil in the bud. Hear in mind the warning words of the psalmist. Hapless daughter of Babylon, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Psalm 137.9 Because natural heat inevitably kindles in a man sensual passion, he is praised and accounted happy who, when foul suggestions arise in his mind, gives them no quarter, but dashes them instantly against the rock. Now the rock is Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.4 How often, when I was living in the desert, in the vast solitude which gives to hermits a savage dwelling place, parched by a burning sun, how often did I fancy myself among the pleasures of Rome. I used to sit alone because I was filled with bitterness. Sackcloth disfigured my unshapely limbs, and my skin from long neglect had become as black as an Ethiopian's. Tears and groans were every day my portion, and if drowsiness chanced to overcome my struggles against it, my bare bones, which hardly held together, clashed against the ground. Of my food and drink I say nothing, for even in sickness the solitaries have nothing but cold water, and to eat one's food cooked is looked upon as self-indulgence. Now, although in my fear of hell I had consigned myself to this prison, where I had no companions but scorpions and wild beasts, I often found myself amid bevies of girls. My face was pale and my frame chilled with fasting, yet my mind was burning with desire, and the fires of lust kept bubbling up before me when my flesh was as good as dead. Helpless, I cast myself at the feet of Jesus. I watered them with my tears. I wiped them with my hair. And then I subdued my rebellious body with weeks of abstinence. I did not blush to avow my abject misery. Rather, I lament that I am now not what once I was. I remember how I often cried aloud all night till the break of day and ceased not from beating my breast till tranquility returned at the chiding of the Lord. I used to dread my very cell as though it knew my thoughts. And stern and angry with myself, I used to make my way alone into the desert. Wherefore, I saw hollow valleys, craggy mountains, steep cliffs. There I made my oratory, there the house of correction for my unhappy flesh. There also, the Lord himself is my witness, when I had shed copious tears and had strained my eyes towards heaven, I sometimes felt myself among angelic hosts, and, for joy and gladness, saying, Because of the Savior of thy good ointments, we will run after thee. Canticles 1, 3, and 4 Now, if such are the temptations of men who, once their bodies are emaciated with fasting, have only evil thoughts to fear, how must I fare with a girl whose surroundings are those of luxury and ease? Surely, to use the Apostle's words, she is dead while she liveth. 1 Timothy 5.6 Therefore, if experience gives me a right to advise, or clothes my words with credit, 
I would begin by urging you and warning you as Christ's spouse to avoid wine as you would avoid poison. For wine is the first weapon used by the demons against the young. Greed does not shake, nor pride puff off, nor ambition infatuates so much as this. Other vices we easily escape, but this enemy is shut up within us, and wherever we go we carry him with us. Wine and youth between them kindle the fire of sensual pleasure. Why do we throw oil on the flame? Why do we add fresh fuel to a miserable body which is already ablaze? Paul, it is true, says to Timothy, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and for thine often infirmities. 1 Timothy 5.23 But notice the reasons for which the permission is given to cure an aching stomach and a frequent infirmity. And lest we should indulge ourselves too much on the score of our ailments, he commands that but little shall be taken, advising rather as a physician than as an apostle, though, indeed, an apostle is a spiritual physician. He evidently feared that Timothy might succumb to weakness, and might prove unequal to the constant moving to and fro involved in preaching the gospel. Besides, he remembered that he had spoken of wine wherein is excess, Ephesians 5.18, and had said, It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine, Romans 14.21. Noah drank wine and became intoxicated, but to living as he did in the rude age after the flood, when the vine was first planted, perhaps he did not know its power of inebriation. And to let you see the hidden meaning of Scripture in all its fullness, for the word of God is a pearl and may be pierced on every side. After his drunkenness came the uncovering of his body. Self-indulgence culminated in lust. Genesis 9, 20 and 21. First the belly is crammed, then the other members are roused. Similarly, at a later period, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Exodus 32.6 Lot also, God's friend, when he saved upon the mountain, who was the only one found righteous out of so many thousands, was intoxicated by his daughters. And, although they may have acted as they did more from a desire of offspring than from love of sinful pleasure, for the human race seemed in danger of extinction. Yet they were well aware that the righteous man could not abet their design unless intoxicated. In fact, he did not know what he was doing, and his sin was not willful. Still, his error was a grave one, for it made him the father of Moab and Ammon. Genesis 19.30-38 Israel's enemies, of whom it is said, even in the fourteenth generation, they shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Deuteronomy 23.3 Jerome substitutes fourteenth for tenth. When Elijah, in his flight from Jezebel, lay weary and desolate beneath the oak, there came an angel who raised him up and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake and a cruse of water at his head. 1 Kings 19.4-6 Had God willed it, might he not have sent his prophets spiced wines and dainty dishes and flesh basted into tenderness? 
When Elisha invited the sons of the prophets to dinner, he only gave them field herbs to eat. And when all cried out with one voice, There is death in the pot, the man of God did not storm at the cooks, for he was not used to very sumptuous fare, but caused meal to be brought, and casting it in, sweetened the bitterness. 2 Kings 4, 38-41 With spiritual strength, as Moses had once sweetened the waters of Mara. Exodus fifteen twenty three to 25 Again, when men were sent to arrest the prophet, and were smitten with physical and mental blindness, that he might bring them without their own knowledge to Samaria, notice the food with which Elisha ordered them to be refreshed. Set bread and water, he said, before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. 2 Kings 6, 18-23 And Daniel, who might have had rich food from the king's table, Daniel 1, 8, preferred the mower's breakfast brought to him by Habakkuk. Bell 33-39 Which must have been but country fair. He was called a man of desires, Daniel 9.23, because he would not eat the bread of desire or drink the wine of concupiscence. There are in the scriptures countless divine answers condemning gluttony and approving simple food, but as fasting is not my present theme, and as an adequate discussion of it would require a treatise to itself, these few observations must suffice of the many which the subject suggests. By them you will understand why the first man, obeying his belly and not God, was cast down from paradise into this vale of tears. Psalm 84.6 And why Satan used hunger to tempt the Lord himself in the wilderness. Matthew 4.2 and 3 And why the apostle cries, Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. 1 Corinthians 6.13 And why he speaks of the self-indulgent as men whose God is their belly. Philippians 3.19 For men invariably worship what they like best. Care must be taken, therefore, that abstinence may bring back to paradise those whom satiety once drove out. You will tell me, perhaps, that high-born as you are, reared in luxury and used to lie softly, you cannot do without wine and dainties, and would find a stricter rule of life unendurable. If so, I can only say, live then by your own rule, since God's rule is too hard for you. Not that the Creator and Lord of all takes pleasure in a rumbling and empty stomach or in fevered lungs, but that these are indispensable as means to the preservation of chastity. Job was dear to God, perfect and upright before him. Job 2.3 Yet hear what he says of the devil. His strength is in loins, and his force is in the navel. Job 40.16 of Behemoth The terms are chosen for decency's sake, but the reproductive organs of the two sexes are meant. Thus, the descendant of David, who, according to the promise, is to sit upon his throne, is said to come from his loins. Psalm 132.11 And the seventy-five souls 
descended from Jacob, who entered Egypt, are said to come out of his thigh. Genesis 46.26 So also when his thigh shrank after the Lord had wrestled with him, Genesis 32.24 and 25, he ceased to beget children. The Israelites, again, are told to celebrate the Passover with loins girded and mortified. Exodus 12.11 God says to Job, Gird up thy loins as a man. Job 38.3 John wears a leathern girdle. Matthew 3.4 The apostles must gird their loins to carry the lamps of the gospel. Luke 12.35 when Ezekiel tells us how Jerusalem is found in the plain of wandering, covered with blood, he uses the words, Thy navel has not been cut. Ezekiel 16.46 In his assaults on men, therefore, the devil's strength is in the loins. In his attacks on women, his force is in the navel. Do you wish for proof of my assertions? Take examples. Samson was braver than a lion and tougher than a rock. Alone and unprotected, he pursued a thousand armed men, and yet, in Deliah's embrace, his resolution melted away. David was a man, after God's own heart, and his lips had often sung of the Holy One, the future Christ. And yet, as he walked upon his housetop, he was fascinated by Bathsheba's nudity and added murder to adultery. 2 Samuel 11 Notice here how, even in his own house, a man cannot use his eyes without danger. Then, repenting, he says to the Lord, Against thee, and thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Psalm 51.4 Being a king, he feared no one else. So, too, with Solomon, wisdom used him to sing her praise. Solomon was the reputed author of the Book of Wisdom. And he treated of all plants, from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. 1 Kings 4.33 And yet he went back from God because he was a lover of women. 1 Kings 11.1-4 And, as if to show that near relationship is no safeguard, Ammon burned with illicit passion for his sister Tamar. 2 Samuel 13. I cannot bring myself to speak of the many virgins who daily fall and are lost to the bosom of the church, their mother, stars over which the proud foe sets up his throne, Isaiah 14.13, and rocks hallowed by the serpent that he may dwell in their fissures. You may see many women widows before wedded who try to conceal their miserable fall by a lying garb. Unless they are betrayed by swelling wombs or by the crying of their infants, they walk abroad with tipping feet and heads in the air. Some go so far as to take potions that they may insure barrenness, and thus murder human beings almost before their conception. Some, when they find themselves with child through their sin, use drugs to procure abortion, and when, as often happens, they die with their offspring, they enter the lower world laden with the guilt not only of adultery against Christ, but also of suicide and child murder. Yet it is these who say, 
unto the pure all things are pure. Titus 1.15 My conscience is sufficient guide for me. A pure heart is what God looks for. Why should I abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving? 1 Timothy 4.3 And when they wish to appear agreeable and entertaining, they first drench themselves with wine, and then joining the grossest profanity to intoxication, they say, Far be it from me to abstain from the blood of Christ. And when they see another pale or sad, they call her wretch or Manichaean. The Manichaeans believed evil to be inseparable from matter, hence they inculcated a rigid asceticism. Quite logically indeed, for on their principles fasting involves heresy. When they go out, they do their best to attract notice, and with nods and winks encourage troops of young fellows to follow them. Of each and all of these the prophet's words are true. Thou hast a whore's forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. Jeremiah 3.3 3. Their robes have but a narrow purple stripe. Plebeians wore a narrow stripe, patricians a broad one. It is true. And their headdress is somewhat loose, so as to leave the hair free. From their shoulders flutters the lilac mantle, which they call manforte. They have their feet in cheap slippers, and their arms tucked up tight-fitting sleeves. Add to these marks of their profession an easy gait, and you have all the virginity that they possess. Such may have eulogizers of their own, and may fetch a higher price in the market of perdition, merely because they are called virgins. But to such virgins as these I prefer to be displeasing. End of sections 1 through 13